Hello, and welcome back to the Cuse Conversations podcast. I'm John Boccasino, Senior Internal Communications Specialist at Syracuse University. Existing beyond the lines has to do with being more than just this general box of what, like, you know, Blackness is. It's it's so much more like we're all people in our own unique ways. If you look across campus, there's so many students from so many different backgrounds doing all these amazing things. And to highlight that, highlight the creativity, highlight the different like leadership and everything else on campus. That's the goal of this year's theme and to showcase all of these different avenues and how we're existing beyond the lines of what traditionally Blackness is looked as. On the Syracuse University campus, we have a proud and storied tradition of honoring Black History Month through the work of our engaging and active student leaders here on campus. And I could not be happier to bring on our guest today here on the Cuse Conversations podcast. She is Dylan France. She's a senior uh, in the Whitman School of Management, studying both finance and real estate. Uh, she'll be graduating coming up this year. She's also a talented student leader. Uh, she serves as the controller for the Student Association. She's an undergraduate representative for the SU Board of Trustees, a Renee Crown Honors Scholar, and a member of the Black History Month Committee. Dylan, you're quite involved. I appreciate you making the time, given how hectic your schedule must be. Yes, I'm glad to be here. So for our audience who may not know, give us a little bit about yourself and how you wound up at Syracuse. As the gracious introduction to introduce myself, my name is Dylan France, um, senior finance and real estate major. In terms of ending up at Syracuse, honestly, I'm a big sports fan, so that was part of the draw from the get-go. Um, from New Jersey originally, North Jersey, and Carmelo has like, I grew up on Carmelo being a Nick, and so part of the appeal was just, I love sports. I knew that I wanted to be a finance major going into school, and I realized that Syracuse University has so much to offer. And then, of course, coming in as the, the graduating high school class of 2020, it was going into COVID, so it's definitely a unique experience. But now within my last year, I've learned so much, grew so much um, since the start of the pandemic. What was it exactly about Whitman that really called out to you and made you want to come study here? Yeah, so I think part of the appeal has to be, and shout out to the program, um, the Orange Value Fund. And so going in, I knew that I had a weird um, interest in investment banking because like usually high schoolers are like, yeah, I want to be an investment banker. And that was kind of, I knew exactly what I wanted to be. And that hasn't changed because graduating, I will be working in investment banking. But the Orange Value Fund prepared me a lot in terms of a lot of the fundamentals I needed to know going into my job. It definitely gave me a competitive advantage relative to some of my peers. And I think that's a unique Syracuse experience that even like some of the top schools in the country like doesn't provide. And so, yeah, I'm just grateful for that. You mentioned earlier, and I don't think we'll ever, hopefully we never have a class that has to go through what you did coming to school, starting your journey in the middle of the worst health pandemic in, in more than a century. But reflecting back on it, how did that experience kind of help, you know, you going through adversity, learn more about yourself and uh, and fuel your development as a student leader? I think going through the pandemic as a as coming in in 2020 was it was difficult because it 
completely change the way that um, students interact on campus, the way we meet each other, just like going to any social situation. There was already guidelines in terms of six feet apart and you can't do um, a lot of the things you traditionally do as a freshman in college. And for myself, it involved adapting to change and, you know, really going through being resilient during these troubling times. And as a student leader, a lot of my development came in seeing the opportunities and trying my best to get as involved as possible. I know starting at school, one of the first things I was involved in was the Wells Links program, as well as the Finance Board on Student Association. And those two opportunities connected me to so many people that I'm still close to to this day. A lot of mentors, a lot of people that helped me to kind of get a sense of Syracuse, even though it doesn't look like Syracuse as normal. It's definitely really different with the pandemic. But they helped inspire me. There's still people that inspire me to be better on campus, be a better leader, and kind of not to be afraid to shy away from some of the things on campus um, that may be troublesome and help those that are now younger than me to help solve these problems and give them the same courage that the, my, the people before me gave me. On top of what happened with the global pandemic, we had the, the, the social justice movement. We had the George Floyd murder, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor. I mean, unfortunately, there were so many instances but it did shine a light on the atrocities that were taking place and our campus was motivated to take action too. How did that impact and influence your development too, knowing that if the world is going to change for the better, you guys are going to play a large role in accomplishing that change you want to see? I completely agree with everything you said that it did involve, especially going into the Black Lives Matter movement, everything that was in my senior year of high school, where um, you know, I'm just coming into adulthood. And so for a lot of students within the class of 2020, it was really kind of, you know, growing into that, like, and learning that no matter what age we're at, we can still make a difference. And so I think that a lot of it had to do in terms of like, going through adversity and learning to be an advocate for ourselves, it had to do with the circumstances that a lot of people of color on campus had to rise to the occasion and stand for what we believe in even those through COVID and everything. And I feel like one of the best things to come out of the tragedies um, involving what's happened with the Black Lives Matter movement has been this development of 119 Euclid, which is now going to be the Barner McDuffie House in honor of the generosity of trustee Sharon Barner, who gave more than a million dollars recently to both ensure uh, the future of 119, but also to strengthen, you know, scholarships for Black, for first generation and for underrepresented students. You've got a personal connection with 119 Euclid. Uh, can you describe a little bit the key role that that house has played through the programming and through the camaraderie you've developed? 119 played such a large role within my development here at Syracuse. Coming into this school, especially in COVID, I didn't get to meet that many people because, of course, you now there's not that many social um, experiences and things through the pandemic. But especially students that looked like myself and had the same complexion, it really 119 really meant so much to me in this during this time because I was able to see people like me going through the same struggles, um, and that's honestly where I met the founding members of the Black Student Union where we realized, hey, like there's not really an organization that represents like the entire diaspora on campus. Let's try to make that. And that 
going from there, all of that was centered around 119. It was more than a meeting place. Like if you were going through a hard time or you just wanted to, you know, after class kind of just talk or hang out or anything like that, 119 is is such a welcoming place. And it's where I met some of my closest friends. And it, yeah, it just means so much to me, especially looking back at the development of the Black Student Union, and how far we've come because of having a space like that. People think of it as, you know, okay, there's a building and great things happen in there. But everyone I've talked to with the tie to 119 stresses the feeling of home, the feeling of comfort and a safe space and things that can't be put into words, just how safe and comfortable the students feel to be themselves, to celebrate themselves, to celebrate Black accomplishments and the Black student experience on campus. And you've really taken that mission upon yourself of engaging with student leaders to make sure that they can become the future leaders on campus. What has that process been like of trying to pay it forward and make sure that when you graduate, the young students are just as focused as you were on making change? A lot of it, honestly, is intrinsic where students who are below us see things that have happened to us or that happens on campus. And, you know, like props to all the freshmen, sophomores and juniors on campus kind of picking up like, hey, we need we need to organize. We need to work to do better in this space. And they do. And there's so many new organizations that are coming back on campus. There's so many different initiatives and different organizations that are coming back and representing who they are and standing for what they believe in, doing these amazing initiatives to help like foster community on and off campus in philanthropic ways around the Syracuse and community and beyond. And so for, this is a long-winded answer, but going back to the how to inspire um, younger leaders, I think, you know, they're already inspiring themselves. Like whether, I'm not sure if it's like looking at us as upperclassmen or whether they themselves are like, we need to do something. I think it's a combination of both where we're really seeing the change already by some of the underclassmen on campus. And I, I believe that beyond my graduation, they'll do more amazing things to help foster community on campus. And again, it's really, it's inspiring to hear the, the chain you know, both getting passed forward, but also the generation doesn't need it. They're, they've seen, they've witnessed. As leaders, you guys will lead with your actions and not just with your words. When you take stock of it, what is what are some of the most proud accomplishments you can come up with from your time as a student leader here at Syracuse? I would say that some things that I'm proud of would definitely be first. I always talk about it, but the like where the Black Student Union is right now, They've done amazing things, um, and this is all due to like the founding members building it up um, to be an amazing force on campus and doing all these amazing things. The community service director, Caden, recently held a coat drive to help collect coats on campus for the Black Student, um, led by the Black Student Union. That was an amazing initiative there. Um, but continuing down that path, there's different organizations on campus, um, the National Black Accountants, the National black journalists on campus, all these different coalitions that are doing amazing things in their own spaces. And as comptroller to help give out money to help with these organizations get off their feet. For me, some things that I've 
worked on is to help supplement some of the money that we have within our budget and within rollover to help these organizations get off the ground and have some starting money to get these initiatives going. That's something that was important to me um, when getting into this role. And then also to advocate to make sure that they're able to continue to work with the different units across like Syracuse University and beyond to make this process as seamless as possible so they can make their initiatives come true is some of my proudest accomplishments. When did you realize that you wanted to become a leader, somebody who could rally the troops and could engage with your campus community? What was that moment like? I don't know if there was really a aha, I want to like a aha moment where it's like I knew that I had to step up. I think part of it came with the circumstances, like with with Black Student Union specifically, that was um, I know we were having like our second meeting where we were trying to get the idea of a Black Student Union out there, not even any actual organization made or anything like that. And we were all about to leave the room, go off in our own spaces and things like that. And I was like, wait, before we go, like I need to get everyone's contacts, everyone's this and that. And we organized and created the right before the deadline. And I remember it was within a week or two, we met on like a Friday and Saturday back to back to get our constitution and everything going. But um, that's when I first started my work as like secretary. And it was one of those moments where I kind of just like jumped into the position. There wasn't really like, oh, I want to be secretary, right? Like that wasn't that didn't come until after I sent those initial emails and everything. But just that like jumping in, that changed like my trajectory for the next year and a half, two years, like so immensely. And then right after that, actually, like a few months after that was when I applied and became the undergraduate representative to the board of trustees, which is another position in which I, I didn't, you know, see David, um, who was David Bruin, who was the representative at the time when I was like oh I want to be just like him it was more so like it was kind of the opportunity opened and rather than like contemplating like oh am I qualified am I this I'm like I know what I want to do I want to help represent students on campus with through this report and kind of let um, the board of trustees know what's going on um, to the best of my ability and so that was kind of again a moment where just jumping in and I wasn't really, again, like, uh, I know I'm going to be this leader um, and I'm stepping up, but I kind of became it through, you know, having the position as well as like advocating and creating these town halls and all these other things to help like students on campus. You're still involved in another landmark celebration taking place on campus, and that's our Black History Month celebrations. And the theme for this year is Existing Outside the Lines, the Colors of Resistance. Can you tell our audience a little bit about the theme and where that came from and what we can expect from the celebrations? Part of it has to do with the national theme that's also along the lines of being creative and outside of the box. But really, I think, like, personally, there's a lot of, I guess, stereotypes and, like, what Blackness looks like to on like a generalized level and existing beyond the lines has to do with kind of being more than just this general box of what like, you know, blackness is. It's, it's so much more like we're all people in our own unique ways. If you look across campus, there's so many students from so many different backgrounds doing all these amazing things. 
and to highlight that, highlight the creativity, highlight the different like leadership and everything else on campus. That's the goal of this this um this year's theme and to showcase all of these different avenues and how we're existing beyond the lines of what traditionally uh, blackness is looked at as is kind of, you know, the goal of this um, Black History Month. So, yeah. And just to get a little personal with the question, if you don't mind me asking it, mm-hmm. how how would you summarize what your Black culture, what your Black heritage means to you? My ancestors have came through the like transatlantic slave trade like we've been here for hundreds of years and so I've kind of existed like my parents are both Howard alumni I'm highly integrated in like different organizations national organizations that like celebrate blackness so being outside of the lines for me like I grew up having a very high perception of what black excellence is and it means a lot to kind of exist beyond the lines because I've kind of knew it to be one thing and I'm existing in a completely different way than, you know, than I ever expected to be right. Like I had so many different like role models and examples of black excellence in my life. And looking back at from, from when I was little and looking up to those role models to where I am now and how I've developed into the person I am today, I think existing beyond the lines of what, you know, came before me and kind of taking a step beyond where they were um, to where I am now. I think that's what it means to me. Well, I appreciate you sharing that anecdote and also giving our audience a little background to, and because a theme is just a theme, but hearing it vocalized and verbalized like you did really helps to paint the picture of what we can expect here on campus. And as one of the committee members who has been involved in orchestrating and planning the celebrations, what are some of the events you're most looking forward to this month? The Black Beauty Expo, where there'll be different, both on campus and off campus, uh, like beauty experts, whether it be for hair or nails or other spaces, they'll be coming in to do different demonstrations of their work. And then I think there's also different things like the basketball classic. I think there's going to be a kickboxing instructor, a career mixer, and of course the gallery. I'm very excited for that to see the different pieces that are going to be showcased there. And then of course at the end, a little bit beyond the month, but on March 3rd is going to be the closing ceremony. And I'm really excited for that. Yeah. The daring to dream gala concludes the month plus long of festivities. Of course, I know you'll agree with this too, Dylan, but this is something that we really need to remind our audience. We don't just want to celebrate Black culture and Black history just during February. This is a 24-7, 365 movement, and you have definitely done your part to be an outstanding advocate and student leader uh, here at Syracuse. Hopefully, you're able to enjoy a little bit of uh, the fun coming up this month, and uh, I know you'll do great work with both your academics and as a student leader. I want to thank our guest, Dylan France, for coming on and shining a light on Black History Month here on Syracuse. Dylan, thank you so much, and best of luck. Yes, thank you. Summer of 2020, that's when I became really passionate about my advocacy work, whether it was, you know, talking about all of these issues that are affecting the Black population within not only America, but the world in general, but really focusing on that and definitely getting more involved with 
not only my advocacy, but also my direct action to helping these issues. So I just love to make a difference really in any way that I can, but more specifically from through my advocacy is how I see that I make a difference. Well, we are continuing with our Black History Month podcast celebrations here on the Q's Conversations podcast. I am really excited for our next student leader to welcome onto the podcast. She is Andrea Rose Oates. She is a dual major studying public relations and policy studies in both the SI Newhouse School of Public Communications and the Maxwell School of Citizenship and Public Affairs. She is a passionate, energetic student leader who is also involved in a fantastic peer-to-peer mentoring program called Dimensions. We're going to talk about Dimensions, but first I want to welcome Andy onto our podcast here. Thanks for making the time to join us. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I love having our students on the podcast. You guys, you all are the reason we're doing this podcast. You all are the reason we're employed here at Syracuse University. What was it about the CUSE? Why did you choose to come and be that dual major studying here at Syracuse? While I was going through the process of looking for a college that I wanted to spend my next four years at, Syracuse really stood out to me the most, mainly because of the welcoming atmosphere. The times that I was able to come and physically visit the campus, or even when I did a virtual session, a virtual information session, I always felt this warm spirit that was welcoming me to come to study and to learn and grow and just find more opportunities that would help me with not only my major, but also my professional life as well. And I will say, as soon as I stepped onto the campus for my first official tour, after I was an admitted student, I kind of knew right then and there that this would be the place for me. And ever Mm -hmm. since my freshman year, I will say that I've grown so much. I've learned so much about myself and it's all thanks to Syracuse University. How would you summarize the ways that you've developed and grown holistically through your time on campus? I will say that it was definitely a huge maturing stage for me. I would say over the past year and a half, I've definitely learned a lot about myself in the sense how I interact with people, how I learn, and also just learning what I want to do in the future through Syracuse, whether it was my major classes or whether it was just different activities and organizations that I'm involved with on campus. I've learned a lot about what I want to do in the future. And I will say that Syracuse has definitely helped me a lot in that area, whether it's giving me real world opportunities and experiences, or even just allowing me to try something new. I think that's the beauty, not only of Syracuse University, but college in general, that it gives you this space to meet all different types of people and throw yourself into experiences that you would have never thought you would have done in your hometown. So I will say that I'm very grateful for that as well. How did you decide the course of studies that you took of having a dual major with both public relations and policy studies? And second part of that question, what do you want to do with those degrees once you graduate? Yes, that's a great question, actually. So I always knew that I wanted to do some type of communications major. And new at Newhouse, all their majors are seen as communications majors, but you specifically have to focus on a specific area of communications, which I thought was just so special and unique to the Syracuse campus. So I chose public relations because I know that I've always loved to work with people, but also that I have a passion for writing as well. So I feel like it combines both of those passions into one major. And I didn't know too much about it going in, but I will say that I've learned so much about it now. And it's really something that I am considering for the future. 
And then my other major policy studies, because I couldn't just have one major, that came from <laughs> the fact that I love, or I've always had a passion for law. And in the future, right after Syracuse, actually, I do want to attend law school. So that's where that second major came in. But honestly, at first I was a little nervous and I didn't know how the two were going to connect. But honestly, I feel like both my public relations major and my policy studies major have been able to intertwine so much. And I've also been very grateful to meet other people who are in the same boat as me, whether they're, they are majoring in both Newhouse and Maxwell or specifically public relations and policy studies. So honestly, I couldn't see myself without the other program here at Syracuse. And like I mentioned, after I do want to attend law school and hopefully become a lead defense attorney someday. That's always been the goal of mine ever since I was a little girl. But honestly, I'll see where the wind takes me, quite honestly, because I feel like I've just learned so much about the two majors. So I could go into either one of those fields professionally. But, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. I don't know too many children, to use the phrase lightly, who say they want to become a lead defense attorney when they grow up, especially at such a young age. Where did that desire kind of come from? I knew that I wanted to be um, a lawyer, more specifically attorney, as soon as I watched the movie Legally Blonde. I knew that <laughs> I wanted to have the exact same lifestyle as Elle Woods because I love the color pink and I saw how she was, you know, able to go to law school and just absolutely kill it. So I was like, well, I could do the same thing too. But obviously, as I grew up and got older, I realized that I had a real passion for different issues that are affecting the human population, so more so human rights, but also that I really realized I had a passion for the law. And I have a few family members who were lawyers themselves, so I was able to talk to them and understand why they chose that profession specifically. And ever since then, I kind of always knew that I wanted to be a lawyer and fighting for justice for people who deserve it the most. There are so many human rights, civil rights issues that are taking place, not only across our country, but across the world that really beg our attention. Has, has that inspired you at all, seeing the strife that your fellow person is going through to want to do good through your career choice? That was definitely a motivating force. I will say around the summer of 2020, that's when I became really passionate about my advocacy work, whether it was, you know, talking about all of these issues that are affecting the Black population within not only America, but the world in general, but really focusing on that and definitely getting more involved with not only my advocacy, but also my direct action to helping these issues. But honestly, I would say that my work started a lot before then as well. I actually started my very own nonprofit organization in the eighth grade called Girls Rise. And that is my very own 501c3 nonprofit that speaks to girls' education awareness. So whether it's in my hometown community of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where I am speaking to girls about their self-confidence and about why their education matters, or even if it's me doing work actually in a completely other continent, I actually host a book drive every single year where I donate all of the proceeds to girls in South Africa, both who are being educated and not being educated. So I will say that I've always pretty much been a strong advocate, especially about issues I believe in, but I've really been able to do that direct action work, which has obviously made me change my entire perspective on the issue as well. And how did you come about these are phenomenal efforts, by the way, you know, working with Girls Rise, working with the book drive for the girls in South Africa. Who gets the credit for kind of influencing and instilling this spirit of doing good, helping people out? Who do we give credit to for that? 
Mm, I would actually say a few people. So my personal role model who I was able to watch their work and I was like, okay, well, if she can do it, I can do it too, is actually Malala Yousafzai. And, you know, with the work that she did, especially at her young age within her own country and her being um, a young girl at the time, you know, risking her life to have educational rights, which is something that we see so basic, especially here within America. But, you know, other people are not fortunate enough to have the same opportunities. But she really, truly propelled and inspired me to start my work with girls education. And then when it came to just advocacy work in general, I would say my parents have really inspired me. They are both very strong figures within our Philadelphia uh, community, and they've done a lot of work with issues that they are very passionate about whether it's direct advocacy work or direct action or them just being able to help in any way they possibly can. Um, they've always taught me to give back to communities who have given so much to you. So I just love to make a difference really in any way that I can, but more specifically from through my advocacy is how I see that I make a difference. You had the pleasure of, you know, coming from Philadelphia, which is one of the really more racial melting pot cities in our country. There's a ton of diversity. And then you come to Syracuse. How did you go about that process of finding community and connecting with your cultural roots here on campus? It was definitely challenging at times and, you know, kind of, kind of looking around and not always necessarily seeing immediately people who look like you. So when I came to Syracuse, I was prepared for that. But at the same time, I wasn't. It definitely, like I said, taught me a lot about myself. I will say that even though I always thought that I'd experienced diversity in the past and whatnot, because I will say my parents always did a really good job of putting my brother and I into those spaces where we did see people who look like us. When I did come to Syracuse University, it was my first time really interacting with so many people from different backgrounds. I really think that's, you know, the beauty and the true essence of college is the fact that you can meet so many people who you would have never been able to cross paths with in any other situation. So when I came, I definitely made it an effort of mine to get involved with, you know, different clubs and organizations that would not only speak to my passions and interests, but more so speak to my ethnic side as well, which is why I was so passionate about um, getting involved with Dimensions Mentoring Group, you know, being around so many, not only amazing young women, but more young women of color and being able to not only or start out as a mentee and now being a mentor through that group. It's been such a blessing to me. And honestly, one of the true, one of my true favorite experiences of Syracuse. And even outside of that, I'm also currently the secretary of the Black Student Union. And that is something I've enjoyed a lot, just being not only a member of, but being a part of the um, executive board, being able to reach out specifically to Black students here on this campus who are a little unsure about how to navigate it necessarily, but we are providing these opportunities and these experiences for Black students to come together to kind of just socialize with one another, but also, you know, do meaningful work, whether it's community service or any passionate areas that we believe through advocacy as well. So I would say those groups definitely helped me really find my place here on this campus and get involved with different communities of people who look like me. What level of support and comfort did you get from being a part of Dimensions? And how do you think the biggest impact Dimensions has on our women of color here on campus? Well, I would personally say that 
I found out about Dimensions kind of as soon as I came to this campus. I remember when I, during move-in weekend as a freshman, you know, my parents and I just kind of walking around, getting a feel for the campus and whatnot. And we visited the Office of Multicultural Affairs just to see what it was all about. And the girls of Dimensions, they were so welcoming. As soon as they saw me, not, they saw me for more than, you know, just a Black girl who was, you know, attending Syracuse, but more so someone who really just wanted to find it a community, someone who wanted to be involved because I love to be involved really in anything or any way that I possibly can, especially here on this campus. So they saw me for more than that. And when they reached out to me and they were, you know, encouraging me to apply and whatnot, I was a little nervous at first, but I will say it was definitely one of the best decisions that I ever made because I have met so many girls who I don't believe I would be able to have met in this in the regular situation of me being a freshman. But now they become, you know, my big sisters. I have some little sisters through the program as well. And I think it is definitely one of the best things about Syracuse, especially as a woman of color, me being able to, you know, be with these girls, to be mentored by these girls and not to mentor other girls. It's really such a surreal experience. And I honestly don't think I would get the same type of community feel anywhere else. But I also love the fact that, you know, with different groups as well, like the Men of Color Initiative, how it's also happening for young men of color as well. And they get to have that same experience. So it's not just limited to one gender. I think that's really special. And I think um, it's the true essence of what, you know, a community feels like. I do want to make a transition building off of the cultural aspect you mentioned for women of color finding peer mentoring advice with Dimensions. We are celebrating Black History Month here at Syracuse University. And I was hoping you could shed a little bit of light for us and our audience what exactly, how would you describe the impact and the influence that your Black heritage and your Black culture has on your life? I would say it's definitely not something that can't be ignored. Um, you know, at a first glance, the first thing someone sees in me, they see I'm Black. And, you know, that's never been something that hasn't been a part of my life. You know, like I said, been Black my entire life. So it's always something that was first glance. And I think that, you know, at Syracuse, it's worked in my favor because I've had the opportunity to be a part of these really cool things such as Dimensions. It definitely has, you know, its ups and then its downs. But at the same time, you know, I think navigating these predominantly white spaces as a Black person, you know, it comes with a lot of pressures. But at the same time, I would say there's so many, you know, resources and just different mechanisms that I've learned not only at Syracuse, but in my life in general that I kind of implement. Also that the fact that Syracuse is a good job into welcoming these different organizations and, you know, student run clubs and things like that, that are definitely uh, culture friendly. I would say that there's so many opportunities. Last night we had the Black History Month kickoff. So seeing all of just the talent on stage from the different, you know, organizations and clubs and seeing how much people pour into this their performances and the work that they've really put into it is just such a beautiful thing to see. And the fact that we have that right here on Syracuse's campus just really shows how, you know, proud people are to not only show off their their heritage, but their culture as well and share that gift with the Syracuse community. So it's definitely something great to see. The theme for the entire month plus of celebrations is existing outside the lines, the colors of resistance. And I love 
building on last year's theme, which last year's theme was black resistance, building bridges and navigating barriers. Well, now we're going through this part of using uh, art through the intersectionality of the theme, the rich diversity within the black community. How much does that theme appeal and resonate to you? It honestly, I really just resonated with the theme so much. I attending last year's Black History Month kickoff event, it was, you know, my first time experiencing that as a freshman. And I just remembered, I didn't know what it was too much, but I just was so in awe of just how Syracuse is able to not only put on that celebration, but also how the students were able to contribute so much of that celebration, because mainly it is student run student plant and whatnot so i just thought it was such a cool thing to see and now coming back this year and seeing you know the same thing from last year but like 10 times more was such an even cooler experience so now it is something that i look forward to every single year and you know the events throughout the month of february as well i think are such a cool thing for students to really get involved in and also a way to signify that that black history month isn't just focused on this the first of february and it really is should be celebrated throughout the whole month but also throughout the whole year but i really think that you know the events and the programming that syracuse does put on every single year really make a true statement to that if it were up to you what are some ways you think we could build on this momentum from black history month to carry it over throughout the rest of the year that is a great question i honestly think that you know, we need to continue this momentum by hosting more programming like this. I would say that, you know, 119 Euclid has done a lot with their efforts to, you know, really just be a safe space, especially for students of color here on Syracuse's campus to allow them just to come in and use their facility, or they have amazing events that happen throughout the rest of the year as well. So I think people, it's it's really a community thing, you know, so I think that people need to also do their due diligence and making themselves, you know, more culturally aware, culturally friendly, and allowing themselves to experience these events outside of just, like you said, the 28 or 29 days that are for Black History Month. But really, it's a thing that has to happen throughout the entire year. It's really been a powerful conversation here. I want to thank our guest, Andy Rose Oates. Andy, you are a role model for our students on this campus. Thank you so much. And I hope that, you know, anyone hearing this is whether you're a student, whether you're a parent, alum, whatnot, I really hope that this encourages people to not only get more involved, but also to put their, themselves out there more as well. I would say that if I didn't put myself out there, you know, a year ago, that I wouldn't be in the situation that I am now. And I wouldn't enjoy my overall college experience, Syracuse experience, as I had so far, if I wasn't allowing myself to be in these, you know, different spaces, different settings, and to try out these different experiences. So definitely take advantage of all of it, and I'm sure it will pay off. Wise words. Andy, thank you for joining <laughs> us again on the podcast, and keep up the great work. Thank you for having me. Thanks for checking out the latest installment of the Cuse Conversations podcast. My name is John Boccasino, signing off for the Cuse Conversations podcast.